0: Today's reading is found in Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 25. Take a moment to turn to the text in your Bible and the reading will also be on the screen behind me. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. This is the word of
1: the Lord. Well, again, good morning. Welcome to the Parks Church. If you're new or uh, visiting with us, especially want to welcome you. Um, we are making our way through Matthew uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 this Advent season. And I uh, want to introduce uh, our guest teacher this morning, uh, Billy Patterson. And Billy Patterson is no uh, stranger to the stage. He is part of this community. and uh, but, but many of you don't know Billy Patterson. He is a... Uh, He's been a missionary, he's a pastor, he's a church planter in New York City. Um, he's a lead singer of an 80s rock band. Appreciate you. Yeah, cover, cover rock band. He's the reason my son, his favorite song is Walk the Line by Toto, okay? <laughs> and so there's many things I could say about you, but that is one. Um, but uh, Billy, and I always say this about Billy in his introduction, that Billy is uh, a mentor to me, but he's so much more than that. He's my, he's my spiritual father. And has uh, shepherded my heart and, and and even this ministry and many of the things that have taken place here at the Park Church are because of the influence and discipleship of this man and his wife, Kelly, who have poured into Tess and I uh, for, for so many years. And so it is truly an honor to have him bring the word of God and that the, the number one um gift I can say to this body is that there's a man who's standing before you this morning in Billy who loves Jesus and loves his wife uh, with his whole heart. And, and I mean this not flippantly, that there's no one who I, I, I know who walks with Jesus more closely uh, than this man. And so it truly is an honor uh, to have him here with us at the Park Church and not just to teach, but to worship with us um, week after week. And so just so thankful for you, Billy. Thanks. Yeah. Love you, man. Love you. Thank you, bro. <clears throat> oh, thank you.
2: I thought that introduction was going to be a sermon, didn't you? I mean, it was going on and on and on. So one thing about pastors, they, they can give up the pulpit, but, man, they, they'll come in during the service and give another sermon. I am so blessed. I mean, the title that he did not share, which I am so thankful for, is just a friend to Kyle. Like, I just, I'm so blessed. I mean... I know you probably feel that way, just being able to have a pastor that um, loves Jesus and loves his family and truly uh, loves you. And um, anyway, you know that. But when Kyle asked me to speak uh, on this Sunday about joy, and also really it's about God with us, as you heard from the text that I just laughed because I feel like that's been my journey this year. My journey has been seeking what does it mean to actually be in the presence of God, like understanding that. I've been walking with the Lord, I mean, literally almost, I guess, 37 years. Um, And I just feel like I'm learning more and more right now than I've ever learned. And I, I'm, I'm going to just share with you my learning. And I, my hope, I prayed for you this morning, is that you would experience this desire to seek his presence. Um, I, these, these questions um, in me are so closely aligned to this passage. It's amazing. But some of the questions I've asked is, why would God want to be with me? And another one is, um, he he, he knows who I am. Why would he want to be with me, and how do I actually live out him being with me? But one thing we know is that he is here right now. And I'm just going to ask you, in the quietness of your own heart, would you pray and just ask him to reveal himself to you? So let's pray. Jesus, we recognize that you're here. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, because we know you are the one who leads us to truth. You remind us of truth. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come and teach in Jesus' name I pray, amen. This Christmas season, <clears throat> the precious truth of God's love, he loves us so much that he would send his son. So we usually just go send his son to die on the cross and for our sins, but just that we can't get past that, that he would send his son. That is a big, big part of understanding why Jesus came and why he died and rose again. And so, 65% of you guys are, are actual visual learners. Did you know that? 65%. I am one of those. And if you're in high school, they say it's like 80 to 85. So, it looks like the trends are going up. And unfortunately, when I was in school in the 80s, they didn't really know how to teach people like me. I'm more of a tactile learner even. But, so, I'm not gonna be so great today, sorry. Didn't get a great education. <laughs> But I will say that I'm going to give you, like, first of all, 65% of you hadn't even understood what I've said so far. So um, right now, I have created some of the most high-tech slides to help you see what I'm seeing in this passage. So hang on. I promise you will remember this. You'll remember it. But let me illustrate it a bit. These three words, God with us, as mentioned in verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, shall bear a son. I already mentioned the Holy Spirit. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So these three words are important, not simply for us, but I believe for God. So if we go to this first picture here. Listen, I don't know why they didn't ask me to do one of the paintings for the previous series. I don't know what's going on here, but they know my abilities. But I want you to look at this this picture and it, you know, it's kind of like don't get lost with the, in the trees or whatever that statement is. I want you to to not I want you to miss We've got God in front here, the blue the blue big guy, and by the way, this isn't to scale. So and then the other, the other stick creature is you. I wasn't technical enough to, um, to make Adam and Eve just go with me. Don't look into this, okay? Don't hear what I'm not saying, right? This is just just look at this guy on your right as you, and that's God. Now, when I say that you're in the garden, though, what do you look at? You probably see the two Two of us, God and, and him, rejoicing together. But what I want you to look at is the trees. Genesis 2.9 says, The Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God gave specific instructions. He actually said, Go eat all the trees. Go eat from all of them except one. I mean, the, the tree of life was actually, hey, you keep eating that. You, eat, you live forever, and you can eat as much as you want. We find later that they had to close the garden once they rebelled and ate from the tree of knowledge. Like, isn't that interesting? The tree of knowledge. Like, that's what we're all clamoring for is more knowledge. Um, but the tree of knowledge, which is also the tree of good and evil. There's only one rule, Adam and Eve, The rule is that you don't, just like if you were to tell your kids, don't touch the hot burner. The one rule, don't eat from that tree. Living in the system, choosing to obey and not eat from that tree, but God gives us a choice to. Those of you who follow Christ know what I'm saying here. What I'm about to say is... That if you do the good or right thing, wherever we obey God, where God leads and we follow, that is a life of joy. Living in God's kingdom means he is king. It is where he leads and I surrender and follow follow Jesus. Some would think that this is a miserable life, but I contend with you. For those of you in the room who might be thinking that, I would just push back and say, I don't believe you've ever lived it. The life of following the king and surrendering to the king, and you're not first, you're second. He is the primary leader. He's the only leader. And you follow him. You surrender to him. You depend on him. That is a life of joy. Many people think there's a difference between happiness and joy, and they're right. Billy Graham says, he states it this way, we experience a sense of happiness when our circumstances are pleasant and we're relatively free from troubles. The problem, however, is that this kind of happiness is fleeting and superficial. When circumstances change, as they inevitably do, then this kind of happiness evaporates. Like the early morning fog... In the heat of the sun, such happiness for which our souls ache is one undisturbed by success or failure, one that dwells deep within us and gives us inward contentment, even in despairing circumstances. It needs no outward stimulus. James 1, 2, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I don't know how moved you were, but I was up there. I mean, I'm, I was weeping during Charlene's video. And I, and I just, I'm weeping with tears of joy because she would, anytime I walked up here after service, she was always wanting to talk to me and love me. And she was so kind to me. And, and I am, I am, I'm sad that she went through what she went, but I am so joy, joy-filled for what she is doing now. She's living in full-on, complete joy. The next slide is slightly over-exaggerated, I'll admit it, but... So, God surrounds his people. They leave the garden. They're, they have to be removed. They can't eat from the tree of life. They disobeyed. I love Psalm 125 2, It says... And the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. He surrounds them both now and forevermore. So the visual here is us leaving the garden, beat down, sometimes happy, but self-dependent, self-reliant on ourselves. And it's just, it's heavy. And I would contend with you Without Christ, life is heavy. It's the opposite of joy. Without joy, even though God is still present, life is heavy. And happy moments can be bought, right? We can buy happy moments, but they're fleeting. When you are king, you realize you are woefully inadequate. And if not, just hang on, it's coming. If you haven't found out, you will. Your kingdom will fall. But there's hope. Hang on. Genesis 3, the serpent said, you will certainly die. What a lie. What a liar. He's lying to you all the time. There's complete, you know, utter abandonment from the devil, just continually pouring us with lies. But it started right there. It's like, hey, Eve, no worries. I mean, you're not going to die. Well, that's the very thing, a spiritual death from God, complete separation from him. God's creation broke relationship with God. We opted out of the kingdom and surrendered the life where God led us to living the good and joy life, joyful life is what, is what they, they actually had. We sinned and we beat down, became beat down through our disobedience. Look at Deuteronomy 31. 31, 12 through 13. And I'm going to give you some good news as well. I know this is heavy. But outside the garden... God still offers his kingdom, and he did so to the Israelites. Gather the people together, men and women and little ones and the stranger who is within your gates, and they may hear, that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of the law, that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan, to possess. There are several examples in the Old Testament of God warning the Israelites, just encouraging them to follow the king. Now, this is what I find just just blows my mind. Um, Sin has actually introduced the insane proposition that we can alter or even reverse the roles of who should lead. That's what sin does. That somehow we know what's good and act on that, and God follows us, and that he is just there to utilize, you know, we use him to utilize what our plans are. You know, (laughs) Kelly has this great analogy of a soda pop machine. You know, it's like, all God is is this big soda pop machine. You put a coin in, uh, you probably don't even know what that is anymore. (laughs) It's a machine that has soda pop. I don't... Hey, stop, you don't preach. No preaching from an audience. That's my wife. Sorry. Nobody calls it soda pop. I don't know what she said, but something like that. But you just put in the coin, and then you get to pick what you want, and you just pick it and then pop. Boop. There it goes. We get what we want from God. What we've forgotten is He is the Creator. We are His creation. He is sovereign. And we are his subjects, his master. And we are his servants. He runs the universe. And let me break this to you as gently as I can. We fit in. We must understand that God does not exist for us. We exist for him. He's not with us to do something for us. God doesn't come down here just to do something for us. It's actually about his glory to the rest of the world, not to fix our lives. God is not the co-pilot to anyone. He is in control of where he's going, doesn't need our advice. We simply follow him like in the garden. We easily get that backwards, though, don't we? We, we, we forget that we're living in the presence of this sovereign God. And that's what it is. I I honestly, simply forget. I'll go five minutes focused full on. I'm in his presence. And then all of a sudden, woo, you know, something distracts me. But the more that I remain focused in his presence, the more I see God work through me and use me for his kingdom. When we don't live in his presence, we extend our glory. We broadcast to the world what I believe, and this is my own phrase. It's not a good one, but I believe. We broadcast to the world the beat down, sometimes happy, but self-reliant life. And guess what we do with that? We multiply it. We we multiply it. We give it to everybody around us. Deuteronomy 31.8, just before the verses I just read, Before God causes people to carefully observe the law, he states this in Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not not fear or be dismayed. God will do his part to lead, but we have our part. It's to get to to join him. It's to... To, to be able to join him in what he's doing. We follow him, we get to be a part of it. And this plan, that you know, following him, this, this thing that, that we assemble about, and if this is your first time here and you're, you're wondering, maybe you, you got pushed into it, um, I don't know. But I prayed for you and I, I am praying for you specifically because I believe that maybe it hasn't been designed so far this way in your life, but you're hearing this for the first time, that God brings a peace that's beyond understanding, a hope that this world can't understand, and a joy that is complete, it's complete. So the Israelites were given this plan by God, honor God and his commandments, don't follow foreign gods, don't, I mean, I could keep going. This church does an amazing job teaching the Old Testament, live as, the, as a kingdom citizen of God. But what they do? They set up places of worship for other gods. They did just almost the opposite of everything. But the root of all of it, I think um, it's best explained by the prophet Ezekiel. He condenses all their disobedience of Israel into five words. Here's the five words. It's in Ezekiel 36.20. They profaned my holy name. Well, I, this is this is fascinating because in the text we read this morning in Matthew, we hear so much about his name. He's actually named two different names in our text. One is God with us, and the other one is Jesus. But just like the Israelites, we've profaned his holy name, right? I mean, unfortunately, the Israelites failed, but we have to in this calling. Instead of glorifying his name, his character, his reputation, his authority, they did the opposite. And here's the definition of profane it's been used here before, I believe, but if this is your first time, it's very simple because they made his name ordinary. They simply made his name ordinary. The beauty of God's word is that he presents all the beauty of who he is and all the wonderful names and the the personalities, I mean the, not personalities, but the the character of who he is. And we see that, you know, what is his name? It's a beautiful study and I'm not going to go through it today, but, you know, Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6 when we sang it this morning, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Zechariah 6.12, Behold the man whose name is the branch. I mean, all of these names, like Emmanuel, God with us, what do they do? They actually paint the picture of Jesus. The name, what? Above every name. What does his name mean? Yahweh saves. Yahweh is salvation. So Jesus means save or salvation at its very essence. And and so like wonderful. Well, it's pretty wonderful to be able to receive a relationship with God. I mean, that's a great name. um, You know, Prince of Peace. We no longer are he is no longer his wrath has has been placed on Jesus and not us because he died to pay the penalty of sin for us because of his love. So the so the name Jesus means God has come to save us. He saves us, and I'm sorry that I'm using that word. Uh, that word's gotten some tarnish, right? I've been holding this water. Are y'all watching the water go back? Pour. Now you're thirsty. But he saves us from the lie the devil stated. Surely you won't die. He saves us from dying. We will live eternally with God. He saved us from the spiritual separation. Therefore he is Wonderful. He is God, Father forever, Prince of Peace. And yet we profaned his name. Exodus 19.6 also calls us a set-apart people. We're a holy nation. It's also used in 1 Peter. But the idea of we are are honestly to be set apart, to show the world, as um, was shared this morning like in our worship, Like we actually broadcast who God is to the world. And even though the world could see God move all around them through the Israelites, they didn't, the nation was not blessed. They multiplied and empowered other nations to be like them, which beat down, sometimes happy, self-reliant people. The good news is, but God did something through sending his son. Jesus, another word for save is rescue. He has rescued us from ourselves. So profaning his name, making it ordinary, I mean, it's just, it comes when you, it's real easy to do. You just simply live for yourself. You were created. I mean, God made man to have perfect union with him and never be separated from that. Free, think about it. From any evil. But then we brought enter, we, we got the knowledge of understanding what evil is. And so evil came into the world. world. So, um, just like the drawing in that first slide, like our life was intended to be joyful, running through the garden and living in intimacy with Him. The next slide again it's not to scale but we reflect god to the world that is your mission like that is that is that is who we are as christ followers we follow him and they see us following him kingdoms have other than gods have been continually built and they fail Even though God sent the king of kings to lead his kingdom and for us to be building his kingdom, we build our own and we profane his name. To this point in history, God has never given up on his creation, and I believe he never will. He will never stop pursuing you. So whether you're going, I'm never going to be part of that, I'm never going to follow him. He's not going to give up on you. I've watched it over the course of almost 40 years with people that God just never gives up. He's doing it probably like he is with my sons. He's, He's pursuing your children. He's pursuing your relatives. He's pursuing the ones you love right now, and he will never, ever give up. He did not ever desire to leave us, and he won't. He did not ever desire to forsake us and he won't. He came and rescued us from ourselves and he gave us the solution from sin. He came to earth born through a virgin in a manger so that he could come simply to give you a relationship with him. So that you could encounter the same life that Adam and Eve had before the fall. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son. Rescue, again, the name of Jesus. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So why did Jesus rescue us? Why did he come to be with us? To restore your relationship with him. To reconcile it, to redeem it. Jesus is the only answer to restore a relationship with God. Jesus answers the question on why he wants to be with us. To reconcile the broken relationship, yes. To show all mankind his glory, yes. To make us more like him, yes. But what I have most clearly seen this year as I've pursued his presence is that he pursues me with his love. I can't outpursue him. He is pursuing me all the time, which would include include all my mistakes, all the things that I'm doing. He is still pursuing me. Now that is that emoji that's the big mind blowing thing. First John four, eight through ten says, well actually Why don't you read it to yourself for just a second? We love him because we first, he first loved us, but probably you're stuck on one word, and you should be. It's a, I don't use it. Propitiation, do you use that word? But if you understood that word, it's really the crux of my whole message. What Jesus did by dying on the cross for our sin and resurrection furnishes the reason for not executing the death or spiritual eternal separation from God. That's what he did. His death, his burial, and his resurrection substituted your payment for your sins and the only response the only answer is your response will you receive it how are you res- res- you know responding to his pursuit i love what tozer said he says no sinner recognizes the throne of god as being valid he rejects the right of god to rule over him He may talk about God, appeal to God, use the name of God, but he will not obey God. But when a sinner repents and is born again, he leaves the old world, the old province that revolted, and moves into the kingdom of God and under his rule. This is how simple it is, is what he says. That's what we are singing about. We're singing about that. It's that simple. God is now with us and is able to redeem all mankind through faith in him as our Lord and our Savior. The choice we have today is not just receiving his love letter. It's actually abiding in his love. The next slide is my greatest work. Jake, could you come up here and just share what it means to you? I'm just kidding. For those who follow Christ today, are you abiding in his love? Have you surrendered to abiding in Jesus? From the moment you trusted Christ, he came to reside in you through the Holy Spirit forever. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit when we receive him. We now have the Holy Spirit who leads us to living rightly with the Lord and prompts us to follow him. Jesus produces the fruit of the Spirit through us when we're surrendered and dependent upon him. What the tree of knowledge did to separate the Holy Spirit has brought Jesus back to us. Not only did he lead us to the truth and he reminds us of the truth, the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit actually lives through us now and he prompts us and he, he shows us how to follow God. So we're not on our own. There is a constant voice from God that continues to operate in you. And it's saying, go, go, go love, go love, go love. And our response is either like I've often done I go, you're not talking to me, I'm too busy. Or when I engage, That's the picture of me impacting other nations, other people around me for his kingdom. Listen to these words, it's so good. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. And this, we know that we abide in him, that he in us because he has given us of his spirit, 1 John 4. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper and be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. He dwells with you and will be in you. Through Jesus, you are rescued, redeemed, restored, forgiven. But the greatest gift, I believe, is that you have the Holy Spirit in you. One of the most fine I mean, literally, the, one of the finest sermons I heard was from Kyle on Mephibosheth. If you haven't listened to it, go back and find it. I mean, the beauty of when we receive him, that he puts us at the table with him. He wants us in the family of God. He loves us that much that he has forgiven everything. Everything is forgotten, and he has given us the new kingdom, the kingdom of sitting at the table with him we are sons and daughters of the living God. We carry his name. Now you've heard that before, but now I want you to hear it like, you carry salvation. You carry Jesus' salvation. Yahweh is salvation. This leads me to the la- my last point, which is, in Jesus' presence is the fullness of joy. So operating To impact those around us is one thing. But our focus is simply on abiding in Jesus. And when we do, what happens? Love flows through us. Joy flows through us. Peace. Psalm 1611, you will will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When we practice being in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Jesus even says in John 15, 11, when he goes through, abide in me and I in you. And he, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing, but with me, you will bear much fruit. He puts at the end of it, he says, I share these things with you so that your joy may be complete. So it, it actually comes through abiding in him. So how are you going live to live this out today? How are you going to live out my call in your life today to call you to live in his presence? How are you going to do it? Tozer says there's two forms of knowledge. One is listening, maybe seeing it on the screen, but it's, it's gathering knowledge. And then the second is experiential. It's living it out. It's not enough for us just to come and hear even though they're amazing messages, most of the time, but even though they're amazing messages, you have the privilege to go take what you have, have heard and go live it out, and that helps you know it. So I'm asking you to practice the presence. First Corinthians 12, there, there's a diversity of gifts, but the manifest, manifestation of the Spirit, that word manifest, means illustrates or makes anything seen or known. Emmanuel gave us his spirit so people would know God is with you. Now, here's the, here's the hard but very humbling question. If God is with us, don't you think people should see him? I mean, he sh- he's with you. The God of the universe God manifests himself in, around, and through you constantly. Constantly. I don't think the Holy Spirit falls asleep. I think he's continually wanting to draw men to Christ. And if you don't experience this, I would encourage you to find where he is moving and go get in there. Go get in there. It's okay, you can do this. Like, go where he's moving. And find him moving and participate in it. That's practicing his presence. That's learning experientially. And there's, you know, the Hope Center. I've had the joy of getting involved there this year. And just, I mean, I always forget the lost, the least, and what? Voiceless. That's right. They are impacting the lost, the least, the voiceless. and, And just being around There, I am moved to what God is doing and my heart is actually showing who who God is by doing that. It doesn't have to be hope, but find out where he's moving and get involved. So this this picture, um, he doesn't sleep. He's a God of miracles. He manifests himself. I, I have a hard time describing what Kelly and I do. We work with pastors, but we also work with businessmen, and Kelly's a teacher. 1 Corinthians four one says, we're servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. We're a steward of the mysteries of God. If you took the Bible and got stuck in a closet and you read it all the way through, you'd go, man, this God is mysterious and he's miraculous. So there are miracles happening around you, and miracles sometimes make their form in in very strange, unusual ways, but they also just loving your enemy. Bringing a cold cup of water to someone who you're angry with. My friend Lance Humphrey says, we want to be naturally supernatural. Can't manufacture it. Kelly and I went to church um, in Oklahoma City to see our kids, the church that we were at. <clears throat> before coming back here. And um, Kelly, like before church goes, let's go eat at this breakfast restaurant I was after church. And I go, honey, that is a dump. Like that's where I had my Bible studies four years ago. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? Um, and I don't even know if it's still there, if it's operating. And for some reason, she was like, so, like no, let's go to this place. And so we brought my sons and their friends and we, we ate at this place. And lo and behold, this young lady, Stacy, was there. Same waitress when I was leading the Bible study. She came to me and she, I said, by the way, is your name Stacy? And she said, yes. And, I, and she goes, you gave me that book. And you and your wife wrote in it. You told us about God. You know, it's like, I, I, just, I, I could barely remember that, but I felt like, oh man, if she shows up today... That would be crazy. And sure enough, God used all the things in my life and brought that picture to her again. So what I'm saying to you is, are you living fully present in his presence? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were put in the fire, but God's presence was there. But what's unusual about that is he did not put out the fire but he was there with them. This is not a life of like everything's cleaned up, like I got to do the right things for my kids, everything's got to work out in order. It's actually living in his presence in the midst of the fire. Last night, Kelly and I went to, we couldn't stay for the whole thing, but um, we went to see, anybody hear of Amy Grant or Michael W. Smith? Um, we lived in Franklin. So some of their songs are actually of Franklin, Tennessee. When our kids were the smallest, they've ever, you know, they just little, running around, four little boys. And she starts singing Tennessee Christmas. It's just, it's crazy how music draws your memory back. Now, I'm the guy who cries. I, I'm the person who cries in this marriage. And I look over at her and just tears are pouring down her face. And I just thought, man, this was a bad idea. (laughs) And she, she goes, no, honey, I'm not sad. I'm not sad. I'm joyful. Our life has been so amazing. God has been so good to us. Have we had just everything laid out and perfectly well organized with no pain or struggle? Absolutely not. But the life that I'm describing to you, one where He is the leader, you are the follower, and you live fully in His presence, you can look back in life and you could go, man. Lord, you have provided for us. You have given us nothing but pleasure as we practice living in your presence. The church has done these amazing videos. We're going to get to see a second one, and it's on the, the subject of joy. So we're going to um, finish with that.
3: So I'm Jeff Dietz, and this is my wife. I'm
4: Claire Dietz, and this is our son, Eliezer. When we first got married, we uh, didn't really know if we were going to be parents. We like wanted to be parents, but just didn't know what the Lord had planned for us. So yeah, 2022, I think was a year that we had dedicated to really seeking the Lord on parenthood. We just felt a really big call to uh, to partner with people in our community who um yeah, who have children, that they they need assistance in parenting, and so... I
3: mean, it was the response the Lord really put on our heart of how do we respond with love to a community when they're, like, absolutely being told, like, you know, that they have to have Mm. these children and they can't go through with abortion, and, okay, how does a community respond in love to uh, something that there's just so much conflict about? And uh, the counsel we just got that was kind of the best thing is, like, if the Lord's calling you to it, like, take a step forward.
4: Yeah, like there are so many unknowns, and just seeing the Lord be faithful at every step, and um, people really encouraging us when we first told people, they were just like, "Okay, do it, like, yeah. just do it." And so that was really, really sweet because it was, it wasn't, "Well, have you thought about and right. you know It was all
3: deceptively thing. hard advice, but it was the it most was. encouraging advice.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think there was a lot of excitement obviously and joy in all those weeks and months of first just trying to figure out what does the adoption process look like and um but it was it was so exciting to think of our our family being just grown and the lord was so faithful in every step in finding an agency and um, people who would use that agency and all those things and so knowing that he would he would deliver the promise that he he gave us and that was that was a baby and um, that was just really really encouraging and really sweet to see other families and their adoption stories and see uh those babies and um hear their stories that were very similar to ours
3: the lord has promises that he makes things good and he has called us to this so whatever this is, it will be good, because it's his. Um, And I think that like forced rhythm of having no control brought joy way more than when I've been able to have control over a situation. And it Mm -hmm. was like very foreign, but it was just a really sweet time. Obviously like, the adoption was like the super amazing um you know goal of the journey but in in the time of waiting there was still so much just joy and excitement in like waiting to see what the lord was going to do and knowing the lord was going to move and i think like knowing we entered the journey with it being something he had called us to do there was just this undertone of the Lord is going to move, and we just get to anticipate what that looks like. And We don't know, and that was scary, but it was also just so exciting and so good and such a sweet time because it was waiting for the Lord um, to show up and waiting for the Lord to move and to act. And He showed up all along the way, obviously, um, but in knowing what that would become.
1: thankful for the Deets being willing to share their story and their journey uh, on that process and the joy that culminated um, with the adoption of their their little son. Um, And as we prepare for communion, I I want our hosts to get ready, but here's how I want to steward our reflection and response time to a message like that. I think our minds can jump to, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? And the answer to that is this, be with me. I'm a God who is with you. I want you to be with me. Be in my presence. Even uh, before this, this service, um, was sharing with a lady, was talking with a lady, and she was telling me about her, her journey this past year, how it has been one of being in the presence of God, and she was talking to me about the scriptures and the word of God coming alive to her and that stirring her affections in her heart. And the question out of her was like, I- I'm trying to figure out what he wants for me next. And listen, that's not a wrong question. That's actually a really good question. But what he wants from every single one of us, no doubt about it, is to be with him, is to abide in his presence. What Billy just said, what Jesus afforded to us was us to draw near to this holy and righteous God, to be in his presence. Then guess what? Like the deets, when we're there, we'll know what to do. But oftentimes we're looking at what do we do without first drawing near and being in his presence? I mean, the scriptures say this, that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. That's what we just heard. And so let's be a church. I think it's Leslie Newbegin that says, are there things in our life, both individually and corporately, that can only be explained? Christ follower, this is for you. That can only be explained by and in and through the gospel of Jesus Christ being live. Is, are there things happening in your life? Are there, there ways that we're orienting our lives? Is, is it, is it, is it, can it only be explained because we believe wholeheartedly in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Like, what, what happens if we a church, prays like that? Like, why do you guys pray so much? Because we believe the gospel's true. Why do you guys sing the way that you do? Because we believe that Jesus is really who he said he is, and we're just responding to that. Why do you gather with so much joy in spite of circumstances? Because the gospel is true. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. And then the things like Hope Women's Center and Hope Clinic and Adoption in the Doing, it flows out of that posture. That's what I long for for my life and for the life of this church, that we actually believe the gospel, that we find ourselves in the presence of Jesus all the time and being filled with his joy, and then we live out of that. Because it's then and only then we'll know actually how to live.